Hello, podcast listeners. Today's episode is with Brooksy Felty Hartness, the founder and owner of Image Realty. Today's episode, we talk about real estate, risk taking, the importance of hard work, the power of positive thinking, and much more. One of the things that struck me about Brooksy is that she is not only super driven, but she's also a really easy person to have a conversation with. And now on to today's episode. Brooksy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I've known you for a long time, uh, or at least known of you. Anybody who's lived in Paragould for any length of time probably at least knows your face and your name because we see your signs all over. You were just even talking about the the, the person you were helping recently before coming over here, and they were like, hey, I know you. I've seen yeah. your signs. And so, um, But I don't know a lot of your story, so I'm excited to be able to sit down and, and talk. I do want to find out about kind of where you came from and how you got to where you are, but can I start by asking you about the housing market? Yes. Okay, like, are, are we making a bigger deal out of this? Because my, my dad will be like, son, whenever, you know, your mom and I got married, we were paying 15% interest on a house or whatever. And it's like, right. well, good God, like, I hope we don't ever go back to that. Like, tell me, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Like, where are we going in regards to the housing market? Yeah, so one of the things I want to say is I started in 1993. And so back then... It was like 6%. And I remember telling my mom and dad, I'm getting in when it's the, like, it's the greatest. And then to be able to see the rates that we had that dropped so low, 2 2.5%. Crazy. It was super crazy. So I just want to preface that with the fact that, you know, at that point in my life, I thought that was going to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. And my parents even said the same because just like you you said, mm-hmm. um, my parents said, oh, yeah, they were 18, 12 when we bought our first house. So I think we've had you know, a, a, a short term, it feels like a long time, but it really hasn't been a long time of those super, super low rates. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a different market. It has shifted some, um, not what the news is saying. The prices are not falling. Um, we did have quite a bit of saturation of new homes right at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And those have mostly all sold They're, you know, even especially around that country club area mm-hmm. where we had a lot of building, you know, that new subdivision. So I think Paragold in general, our, our community has always been a little protected um, from the, uh, like when they said, the recession of 2007, 2008, we did mm-hmm. not go through that. Northeast Arkansas did not go through that. Huh. So we're still a little protected. We're just in a different area. Um, Why do you think that is? I just think we are somewhere where larger city people move into. So you get, when they want to get away from that type of area and they want to get into a more rural, small, hometown feel, they come to Northeast Arkansas, even Jonesboro, even though it's large, they come into that kind of community. That's what they look for. They sure looked for it during COVID. It was mm. a whole different mindset. Have and you I, ever seen anything like that, like as hot as the market was? Never in my life. Because you've been in this since, what, 93? 93 at 19 years old. And we literally, in this last few years, have been begging people to list their homes. Begging. Yeah. I've never had to beg for houses to be on the market. Yeah. Our area always had a good, yeah. you know, absorption rate. We had we had some homes for sale. Yeah. Good homes, not just, you know, um, our, the average price is about 125 150 mm-hmm. um, max. That's on the average, but we always had, you know, just a really good inventory mm. and we were calling, begging. I mean, people, Facebook, social media, it was just bombarded with 
do you have anything you will sell? And we're, and we're still having to do that. We still don't have enough inventory. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So are we going to see, for the person who's listening to this, it's like, do I, do I hold on to my home? Do I buy? Do I sell? Do I... Where do you think we're heading? Are we going to keep climbing as far as interest rates? And we're like, hey, guys, now's a good time. Like, you better, or are you like, hey, we're about to see a dip? Like, what's your, what's your gut say? My gut says we're still going to have a gradual increase. Some, you know, one, one week, like last week, it was 7.375. And then by the end of the, that was on a Monday. Mm-hmm. By the end of the week, it was 7.5. Then, I, you know, I had some friends make an offer and they're like, oh, it was 7.85. They waited a day. It went back down to 7.5. So it, it fluctuates. It's always fluctuated. Even when it was those low rates, people would be like, oh, well, I'm not locking in today because it's 2.5. I'm going to wait. I'm like, I wouldn't wait. Then mm-hmm. it went to three. Then it went to three and a half. So yep. I, I think if you're ready to buy a house, you'll figure out how to make it work. Do I think everybody needs to rush out and buy something at, at higher rates if they're not able mm-hmm. I, I have a conscience I have to sleep at night I don't want anyone to do that and we yeah. do have great opportunity with rural development loans you know that yeah. you can you know roll your closing costs in there I don't want anyone to get in over their head yeah and then and that's why it's so important right now these people that have already been pre-approved need to re-check their uh, pre-approvals yep. because now that the interest rates have increased if you were approved at seven percent and now it's almost eight percent yep you know, that, that does, makes a big difference. And insurance has changed, not just interest rates. Insurance is another thing that a lot of people are talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard about it. Uh, you know, obviously, you and I, we've we've worked together a little bit because the mm-hmm. house I bought, you had yeah. listed. And, and I remember it was I mean, it was wild. And like, our, we listed our house and we sold it for more than we listed for. And then it was the same, the house we yes. bought, right? It was just a wild time. So tell me this. Um, are you from Paragould? I'm from Cardwell, okay. Missouri, so I'm I'm across the Kahlua colored waters over there. <laughs> um, so I grew up um, in Paragold, you know, visited Paragold from Cardwell. All my family's from Paragold, so yes, my family's from Paragold. We moved to Michigan when I was young at one time. What part of Michigan? Um, outside Detroit, Lincoln okay. Park. Okay. My brother was actually born in Wyandot, Michigan. Okay. And then we moved back here. My dad was hurt in a work accident, and so we had to move back here where my grandparents were. They mm. had moved back. You know, that was kind of the thing back when they were younger was to go work in Michigan and then you retire in Arkansas. I know a lot of people, if you look around, have done that, and they bought mm-hmm. land and wrecked yep. or pig it. My dad a lot was of those born areas. in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, yeah a yeah, lot of people yeah. were born there or worked there and yep. then moved back here, maybe because their family yep. had went yep. there to work for the auto workers for union, sure. things like that. So my, that's kind of where my dad did the same. His um, brother-in-law was in uh, welding, and they were in the um, – different business and so he was a draftsman and actually was hurt on the job and that's why we moved back here close to my grandparents who lived in Cardwell. Okay how old were you when you moved back? Nine years old. So nine did you graduate Third from grade. Cardinal? I did Southland yes. Man, from Southland. 1991 graduate. When you graduated did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Well I thought I was going to be a nurse I went into nursing school at ASU okay. right off the bat. Wow. And quit right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> what, when you my, go what, from Cardwell, yeah. let me give you that example. When you go from Cardwell, which I had one of the largest classes, 32 kids, and you go into the physical science class, Dr. Newton's class, I'll never forget it, and it was a giant auditorium of it, like 150 kids, one of those big expanded auditoriums, and I like sat at the top because I was 
first of all, I was scared of science and math. I didn't really like science and math. Same here. But I thought, oh, all I have to do is college algebra. I can, I can become, do this two-year RN program. My aunt taught, taught nursing at ASU, so I'm like, I, I can do this. Anyway, that first, I mean, that class just was, like, so intimidating I couldn't understand. I didn't understand what he was saying. I did. Like I couldn't hear language. him. It was like a foreign language, yeah. absolutely. So um, we actually. So I got married right out of high school. Okay. So I was already married, going to ASU, and were you living in Jonesboro at that time? Stanford, actually. It's Stanford. Moved from Cardwell to Stanford, Dang. Arkansas. Big city girl. Big city girl. Yeah. So um, when I got there, I was just like, I don't know. And then I started looking at houses. We were looking at houses. And we were, I was with Pat Chesser, mm-hmm. and Pat said, oh, you, you know, do you like this house? And I said, yeah, but I think we're going to build. And that kind of got me in the whole mindset of, well, she, this is interesting what she's doing. She just takes people to look at these houses. I love, you know, architecture mm-hmm. and houses. And then I really think, thought we, we should build, you know, and that would be a neat thing to do. So that kind of got me looking at real estate. And wow. I thought, this is something that I've would be more interested in and than to you be. were like 18 19 at the time I was I was 18 then I graduated at 17 so in Michigan as long as you can tie your shoes you can start school at four uh, October 2nd I just turned 50 so I had hey, a milestone happy birthday. thank you yeah. so uh, if you could tie your shoes you could come and start kindergarten okay. at four ABCs and tie your shoes wow. so I could and my kid still, my, my, my <laughs> nine-year-old probably still couldn't start. Pre- Second grade is when I learned how to tie my shoes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. That's motivation. Yeah, yeah. So I got to go ahead and start. And so when I came back here, they wanted me to go back to third grade. And I was like, like my look, mom, I've been able to tie my shoes since yeah, I was four. I, I don't think so. I can tie my shoes. I'm not yeah, doing yeah, it at yeah. Cardinal. So anyway, they, you know, made me do some tests or whatever. And I got to stay in. I got to go on to third grade. Okay. Yeah. What were you into in uh, the teenage years in, in, in South? Like when you were at Southland, like what did people do in small towns back yeah. then? Yeah, so FBLA, okay. um, played basketball, but I was terrible. Okay. I was not good. All I was right. a good bench warmer. Um, just not really good at sports. Didn't really care about it. Were you um, really extroverted and all that like oh, you are right very, now? Yes. Okay. Very Always a people person. to a brick wall. Okay. Yes. In fact, most of my report cards say Brooksy is a pleasure to have in my class, but she talks too much. You know, just like the yes. normal Facebook meme you see, that yeah, yeah. that was me. And they would move me to the front of the class, and I would talk to them the well, whole likewise. time. Likewise, so, yep. And now know. my kids, that's what I'm hearing about them as well. Um, so you decide, okay, I'm interested in this real estate thing. Take me like... Kind of pick me up from there. How did you make that switch? Or I'm not going to do the nursing thing, but I am going to try real estate. Well, it took me a little while. So I got out of the physical science, but I I kept going, just getting basics there for a while. And then um, almost two years into my marriage, we found out we were having Whitney. So that real quick made me make some decisions. And so I quit college and went to real estate school. And she was... um, she was born, so uh, I, I got into that November 1993 is when I passed my real estate test and went to work for Jerry Gasway. Jerry Gasway, 1993. Yes. yes. So was it immediately one of those things when you stepped into it that you were like a natural at, or did you no. have to work at it? No, I had to figure it out. Okay. So I got into an office where there were some very strong women in there mm-hmm. in real estate, and so I, they had already been doing it for a little bit. And I thought, you know, I, I've got to figure this out. 
And Jerry was great to work for. He was, um, you know, a builder, a developer. So I would do a lot of listening to all the things that he was into. He had, he had built, flipped, uh, developed a subdivision, just a lot of different things that interested me. So I would just kind of hang out in the office and listen to a lot of the things going on in there. And that kind of got, I learned a lot, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of, you know how they say, throw you to the lines and, you know, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that was my whole thing. I tried to be a sponge and just learn, you know, what were the things that I wanted to be like and, and how could I help people? Um, and, and I learned a ton from Jerry. I think he helped me to figure out that I didn't want to just sell houses. There were a lot of other things that you could do in real estate, invest, mm. uh, build, you know, building our first house on Bogill Road. Um, and were you learning all that stuff, like kind of just, I mean, when you look at your family, I mean, like was investment a part of your family background? Like, so did you have some of that in your blood or are you kind yes. of the first? Okay. So absolutely, absolutely all of us um, are very driven. Um, my mom and dad, when they came back, they came back to help my grandparents with their businesses. They had multiple businesses. One was on the east side of town. It, uh, Mr. T's Motel. Yeah. So my grandparents owned that. My mom okay. and dad, that's where we first had to live, inside that motel. My, my brother was a baby. I was nine years old, and we had to live inside that office. Like there was a, you know, a residence in the middle behind yeah. the office. My dad and mom ran the office. And so that that was located there, and we lived there in that building. What was that like? That was very different. But I met a ton of people that I still know you know that back then mm -hmm. you just ran the streets rode your bike I met a ton of kids that were Green County Tech kids they were bused <laughs> to Green County yeah, Tech and you of had course I was driven south to Carmel. Over at that point too right or was it not there yet no. I mean, or was it already gone at that point I'm talking about the south building I don't think it was no okay. it was already gone, it was gone. yeah okay. it was already gone I think they were being bused okay. to all the, the way school across. out okay. there yeah west side yeah so I met a ton of kids that I still know and you know it was it was different I remember thinking we gave up this beautiful home we had. I had a little brother, a, you know, a baby brother where I was the only child for nine years. I had a, uh, a big difference. I had a dance studio in our basement, all these things. Jeez. And I remember thinking, what has happened? That probably felt like a huge loss. It was a huge loss. I lost my very best friend who's like a sister to me. We're still vet best friends. Seriously? The one, like she lived Michigan? across the street in Michigan, yes. Wow. We and y'all stayed, stayed in contact? Yes. She just was at my 50th birthday party, and um, she's one of my... She's like How a in the world did y'all stay so close? Luckily, seven houses down from where we lived in Michigan, my aunt and uncle lived down there. So we would go visit. Okay. And I would still get to see Beth. And then she would come here for visits. So we stayed, I mean, friends since four, since we were four years old. That's uh, very, like, that's, yeah, that's not common. Yeah, 12 miles away. Yeah, that is <laughs> yeah. not common at all. No. Like, what do you? What would you contribute? Obviously, you said you had a family that still lived in Michigan that you could go, but I wouldn't think that'd be enough to keep a long-term friendship. Like, what do you think has allowed y'all to remain close despite the distance? The reason I ask that is because I think we live in a very, <clears throat> a very lonely society mm -hmm. where uh, very few people have, like, true friends especially friends they've had for years and years so yeah what do you think has been the secret to that I just friendship? think we were so connected we were so connected as little kids um and we were so different too that it just made us love each other even more and we didn't want to be without each other 
We, um, you know, back then you had to write letters. We, yes. You know, it was just a totally different relationship. And then as we grew, um, you know, going through things together, you know, your teenage years yeah. and boyfriends and breakups mm-hmm. and then me getting married so young, um, I just think it kept us close just having that person that I could always call that um, she was just amazing to listen to my stories and me to listen to hers and what's going on. But we weren't seeing each other every single day, but we couldn't stand not mm-hmm. being there for each other. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. We both through went, went through divorces together. I mean, that was the hardest thing, having children and going through a divorce. And yeah. um, How old know, were you when you went through education. your divorce? Uh, 26. 26. Did you, so you're in your full career whenever you go through the divorce at that mm-hmm. point, like your real estate. When did you go back to school? Because I know you, you decided to go back. After and you got, I got, got a divorced. Community. Right after the divorce. Yes. So you get divorced at 26. And what made you decide to go back to school at that point? Um, Glenn Burnett had came in, him and Michelle had moved to Paragold and he was going to do the new bank of Paragold and I had sold them their house and he said, Brooksy, we need a marketing person that knows like the builders, knows how to get this bank started, knows people. And we, we just were looking for a marketing person. Would you do this? Now you couldn't do real estate. I had just had Ross, he was young. And then I had Whitney, you know, being five, six years old. And so that intrigued me. I thought, you know, I probably do need a salary and benefits. This would Mm -hmm. be something different than I had ever had. It was always commission only. So that kind of intrigued me um, to look around at other options, Mm -hmm. what would be best for my family at that point. And then um, getting divorced then, Mm -hmm. right after that, with, with having that job. So I felt like that was something that was meant to be. I was, you know, with being uh, with two kids. So I was very lucky to have that job at that time. It caused me to look around and think, you know, I never got my degree. I've got both these kids. I've got pretty much not half of it, but the basics done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would be the only person in my family to graduate. So from college, my dad had a Washita Baptist football scholarship and got hurt there, Mm. hurt his knee. And then my mom was a, became a beautician. She went for mm. a while, but then they got married, and um, she quit school to become a beautician. My mm-hmm. grandmother was a beautician, and then my mom did the same. And she she must have been pretty good because she, uh, although I hated all the ways she did my hair. Yeah. probably don't need her yeah. to listen to this. <laughs> but um, she, a lot of people, I, I talked to a lot of people, like at First National Bank and stuff, women that would say, oh, your mom did my hair, and I loved it. Where was she? Was she so she was here in Paragold? Yes. Where was she at? When I was little. She had a little at her house. Okay. A little shop at See, her my house. grandma used to cut hair as well, and she yeah. used to teach uh, the beauty school that was here. I'm not sure where it was at in downtown, but it was a little beauty school yeah. here downtown. And so my grandma also used to cut my hair. Well, my mom, when <coughs> we moved to Michigan, she was doing hair in our basement. So okay. I've always been around it. And uh, I'm sure I did lots of bad things to my hair. I, like, took crimping (laughs) shears one time. All kids cut their hair. So, you know, I thought I was a hairdresser at one time. She said all my Barbies looked like they had been through some terrible tragedies. (laughs) We have that in in common then. So you, when you went back to school, were you also working full-time? Yes. And trying to raise two young kids. Doing real estate as well at Coldwell Banker. With Carolyn Harley. Jeez. So what did that schedule look like? It was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. You couldn't have had much time to sleep. No, but you know, I have always just, I don't need a lot of sleep. And I've always been one of those people that I just have to keep going and get it done. 
My mom is that way. She's always been that way. Um, my dad's always been that way, even through injuries and what he, you know, went through tons of knee surgeries. Um, so I just, I, I don't know any better. I mean, that's just always what we did. You think it's just the example that was set for you? Cause Absolutely, I, yes. I think my parents drove that into me that, you know, nothing is handed to you. You have to work for it. Um, and that. So rather than just kind of sitting no around feeling sorry for yourself yeah. and being like, I hope it comes to me, you're like, okay, yeah. this is my life. Nothing really falls in your lap that you don't have to work for. I, I would like. agree with that 100%. Yeah. It's like anybody who ever comes to you and is like, hey, you want to get rich fast or whatever. Yeah. It's like there's, or you want to lose weight within, you know, 30 pounds in a week or whatever it's yeah. like. That doesn't it exist. It just means it comes back real fast. Too. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. So, um, so you are going to school, working, raising kids. Eventually, you graduate with communications and... I did public, public relations with a minor in sociology. Okay. Yeah, from ASU. And then what happened from that point? So the day of my um, graduation, I got offer, um, offered a job with Eli Lilly to interview with Eli Lilly um, Pharmaceuticals. So they saw that I had all the sales from real estate. And they were like, okay, she's got the degree. They wanted to start. Eli Lilly used to only hire pharmacists. So um, they were looking for someone with the sales experience. They felt like that was needed in Northeast Arkansas, and they didn't have it. So I got to interview uh, with a new manager. Um, they flew me to Tulsa. I flew back in, and literally my mom is pinning my hat and bringing my children, meeting me at ASU because I said, I have to walk. You know, I want my kids to see it. I have to do it. So that made me very emotional. But I was like, I'm rolling in there on, yes. on two wheels, and I'm walking in this graduation. How amazing did that feel? So we did it. It felt great. Yeah, you did yeah, it. I did it. You accomplished it. It was huge. And so you come out, and, and did you end up taking the job with this? So right after that, so for graduation, my mom and dad were not able to go to a lottery trip they won from Mr. T's, they, uh -huh. they had the lottery, uh -huh. and um, they won this trip to Hawaii, and they gave it to me and Beth, my best friend mm, in Michigan, that's cool. to open while she graduated the same time I did. So these are just, we had that's all crazy. these things come together for us. Yeah. So she graduated with her degree in socio, so, uh, social work and also with um, Teaching and social work uh -huh. was her degree. And then I had gotten my public relations degree. So we go in to Michigan. I go to visit her. My mom has sent this package to my cousin Kelly to for Beth and I to open in front of each other. And so mom and dad could not go. Dad, I think, had had knee surgery. Something was going on. They couldn't go to this trip. I had no idea they had won this trip. We open up this package, and it's got hula skirts and, like, coconut bras. Yeah, yeah. And Kelly says, okay, you have to put this on. Your mom wants a photo. And so I'm like, why is she do Why is she making Beth and I dress up in these? So we dress up, wear this. She's taking these photos, and then she hands me these tickets. And I, we were just like, what? It's amazing. We're both divorced, both getting – we would never be able to afford yeah. a trip to Hawaii. This yeah. is a lottery trip, like, yeah. to – Oahu and Maui. It's a like a eight days, and so we are crying. What a She's gift! Taking, oh my gosh, it was the greatest thing ever, and it was the greatest trip. The greatest. And how trip. cool is that? that and that's we still what your talk mom about decided to day. reveal it to you. 
Oh, it, <clears throat> yes. I mean, totally could have just been surprise. like, hey, you want to go to Hawaii? We can't no, go. No, not not Benita. She has to do it in a That's special really, way. That's really cool. Is that yeah. just kind of her, like, the way she does things? It, yeah. She always made a big deal out of different things. And, I mean, it was a big deal to my mom and dad that I had graduated, you know, and went back and got my degree even yeah, after. It is a huge deal. You know, having two kids <clears throat> and getting divorced and going through all that. So she knew it was a really tough time and that it w- it meant the world to me to be able to do that and show my kids. So you take your trip to Hawaii and then you come back and what are you doing with for work at that point? Are you back in real estate? No, that is, so right, that is when I got my final interview, uh-huh. a phone interview while I'm in Hawaii with the head honcho and he, mm-hmm. and, and we were laughing, Beth and I were laughing because we we were having some cocktails mm-hmm. as I'm doing this interview. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, one of those foo-foo drinks with an umbrella in it while you're on vacation and got offered this job. Within 30 minutes after that conversation, the new manager calls me, Bariana Billington, still super great close friends with her. I was her first hire. She calls me and offers me the job. And it is an incredible job to live in Paragould, Arkansas with two kids, a free car, you know, this mm-hmm. pharmaceutical job that I'd heard all these mm-hmm. stories about. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how is this even happening? And so that's what happened on that trip. Wow. So what a just, trip. It was amazing. Yeah, That's really cool. It and was then, amazing. And then how long were you there working that job? Uh, I was with Eli Lilly for three years. For three years? Yes. And did you just travel. assume that's kind of what you'd stay, where you'd stay at? Like, did you think at that point? Or were you no. Okay. I always had that real estate in the back of my mind about, you know, this is still my passion. I was still so passionate about real estate. This was just something I thought I had to do for my children. Okay. And uh, it became, a, I became aware that it was an issue with Ross being so young mm-hmm. in elementary school, first and second grade, and all the travel. It, yes. I just didn't think it was fair to my kids. And yep. I, it became a problem. I just thought, you know, this is already hard on them, you know, with a divorce. And then for them not to have me all the time. I had a great support system. I was so thankful for that. But being gone and training and all the things you had to do, I was in diabetes specialist care. So I, I was having to be gone a lot. You know, mm. I sold injectables. I was having to travel up to my territory expanded. I had to travel up to past West Plains, um, down to Forest City, uh, Mariana, all down in that area, the Delta area. So my territory had gotten so large, it just became uh, too much. Overnights, I, I didn't want to do overnights and yeah. be away from my kids. Yeah, understandable. So you do that until you're in your late 20s, and at that point yeah. you transition back into? 2006. So 2003 to 2006 is when I was in pharmaceuticals at okay. Eli Lilly. And then 2006 is when Jason Gazaway, Jerry's son, mm-hmm. called me and said, you know, you ought to come back to real estate and just do commercial with me. So he was in Jonesboro at another office, and he um, offered me that job, and I just kind of thought, okay. It's time to get back and do just commercial. It, it interested me a lot. I had already still invested and done things with houses. I had been, my poor kids had been through lots and lots mm-hmm. of houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Whitney used to get asked, was she in the military? Because they'd say, oh, well, we moved, you know how they mm-hmm. ask you, what you did, what'd you do in your summer? We moved three times, <laughs> you know, you just bless her heart. Yeah. But that was, so that was something in 2006 I was just ready to do. So Jason called and I 
did it. At what point did you end up going over to Image? And did you, like, or did you start Image? Right? So like, I did, yes. Okay, so you started Image. Right? Yes, so 2006 to 2009, I worked with Jason at Burl Halsey in Jonesboro, uh, commercial-only mm-hmm. real estate uh, company, and um, that's where I also recruited Pete to come over there with me, ah. Pete Kinsella. And How did you meet Pete? Pete, I just met him with doing real estate over here in Paragold. He was at okay, Town so and he Country. was already doing some real estate. Then. Yes, okay, he was already point. in real estate at that point, and um, I just he, I thought we just kind of hit it off. I uh, liked to razz him, and he liked to razz me, and I thought that's just a a guy that I would love to have on my team. So I talked him into coming over there to just commercial real estate and trying something different. I think he was ready at that point because he was working part time. Uh, doing real estate part-time, and also I think he ran the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, like, not Aaron's rent-to-own, but one of the rent-to-own kind of companies, and he was working as a manager, and then Allen Engineering at some point, so. I didn't know he was at Allen. Yeah, he was, yeah. I had no idea. Yep. Man, small world. So he had part-time jobs and real estate, and, you know, that's just so hard, and I knew that uh, he could make a lot of money and also be able to support his family if he was able to work full time. I think it makes a huge difference if you can do that. And what do you, when so you say like, you know, you know that he could have made a lot of money or let's just say anybody, if you, what was it you saw in Pete or what is it that you maybe can see in other people that you're like, they're going to do really well in this world. His drive, okay. his determination and his drive. Um, so work ethic's a big thing. Work ethic is the biggest thing. He was raised by a single mom. I mean, we have a, we had common friends. I, his One of his cousins actually lived by us. When We lived in a trailer behind my grandparents in Cardwell, and they lived across from us, and they were related to Pete. So I, I kind of knew him from there, and I was like, you know, I, I know his story, and I know that he's very driven. He's very passionate as well about things. Yep. He kind of had that coach mentality, and I just thought he would be great. When you say and that coach mentality, explain yeah. that to me. So that coach mentality, when I say that, I mean, to, they like to see others do well and they like to cheer others on. Gotcha. And that's, How does that play into in this work? Well, because your whole, it, it takes, it, it's not just us out there doing this. It mm-hmm. takes a village. It takes a mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. With, you know, none of my accomplishments are because of me. They're because of all the people that are involved in the whole transaction. Mm. So all of those people... Um, that come into play. I mean, I watched him respect others. I watched the way he treated people. I just, I think that is what this whole business is about Mm -hmm. is, you know, this is, there's a lot of handholding. This is a big deal. I mean, you went through it, buying your house. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. You're moving your children. It's a huge decision. Yes, a huge decision. You're moving your children, you know, uh, you're doing things that um, change their lives. You're moving them away from friends they know. Yep from where you did live, mm-hmm. to this new area. Mm-hmm. So all the things we have to take into consideration as a parent is also what we take into consideration with real estate. We have to know their story. We have to know why their why. You have to know their why. And Pete had a unique why, so yeah. that's why. I've thought a few times we need to get Pete on the uh, podcast. We have several good conversations whenever we're at any yes. time fitness at times, talking about this life and all that. I thought he'd be a good one to, to have on. What? So you said 2009 that was, was whenever you yeah, started? Yeah, so 2006 image. to 2009, we were um, commercial only. And uh, so I learned a lot uh, doing that, and we just thought it was time 
so Pete and I did actually Image Realty together. We started talking about that. Uh, did we want to do this together? Um, we need this just in Paragould. We didn't want to have an office over in Jonesboro right away. So we wanted to take over the office we already had, stay there, and um, we worked out a deal. And uh, we came up with Image Realty because not only is it important, you know, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to be an office of professionals, educated um, brokers. We thought that was important. Uh, so you can be a salesperson, and then it takes two years plus uh, an education, and, and also um, you have to retest to be a broker in Arkansas. So you get your broker's license after two years, and you have to turn in your experience and, and you know provide that you've taken the extra education to do that. So um, we both were brokers, and we thought, you know, we want to hire brokers. We want to hire people that are educated or been in real estate for a long time. We don't want a high liability, so people that are um, experienced are usually, you know, less liability. Mm-hmm. So, How many people are employed with Image Realty right now? Uh, 35. 35. Yes. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a big. Um, what would you say as you look back on just your time in real estate and just maybe even as a, as a business owner, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way, just in regards to whether it be leadership or people or management, like what are some lessons that kind of just come to your mind? Like, Oh yeah, that's something that I've learned as I've done this. Well, the biggest thing was going from principal broker owner mindset. That's a management mindset. And I'm a salesperson, mm-hmm. you know, so going from that salesperson mentality to now I have to manage, I have to make sure the lights are on, I have to have the overhead, I have to have, so I took on a huge responsibility and and then had to learn and teach myself QuickBooks, you know, all the things that you had to know on the business mindset side of it. And not only am I managing myself and my business, I have to teach these people how to manage themselves because you're self-employed, you're a 1099 independent contractor. So that person doesn't work for me. I am their peer Mm -hmm. and they own their own business, but they have to have me as the principal broker. You're required to have a broker and those agents work under you, but you're the support system for them. So not only am I having to do my business and take care of my clients, but if they have an issue, I have to take care of their clients Mm -hmm. because their clients are my clients. Mm -hmm. Every listing is my listing because it's my responsibility and the state mm-hmm. of Arkansas has, has made me licensed mm-hmm. and responsible for those people. So if they mess up, I mess yes. up. And that's a little scary because you you have to also let them go spread their wings and learn mm-hmm. how to do a lot of things. I'm a hands-on person. Yeah, They need to be taught to be hands-on. Yeah, And so uh, that was a lot of responsibility to turn into a management mindset. And that took me quite a while to do that's that. That's not easy. No, it's not. It's How did not and the stuff that you had to learn along the way? Are you just the kind of person that's like, I'm going to figure it out? Like, and so you would just, if you did like QuickBooks, for example, like you would just work and work and work and research and research and research and study and study and study and uh, probably, I mean, no, I did a more <laughs> of a just throw myself to the wolves kind of thing. I just started trying to figure it out. I didn't understand the ins and outs. Like when you put an in, in, it has to go out the same way. The, categories and all that. I don't know so nothing about that. I had a lot of things messed up when I finally asked my mom for help. Uh, she used it at Mr. T's. So I had to like say, mom, you've got to show me what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't understand this. So yeah. I, and then I eventually 
had an accountant come help, you know, my mom couldn't help me. She was running her own business. So, um, I just had to get, yeah, I had to get some outside help because I was not doing it right. I was just figuring it out. Are you afraid of failure or not at all? No, no. I have failed lots of times. If you, I mean, you can't be in business and not fail. Yeah. I, I make mistakes every single day. You say you day. have failed lots of times. So tell me about that. Like, how do you deal with failure? Because this is very important because I think what, this is just my guess, like what keeps most people from ever really progressing in any facet of life is a fear of failure, which actually mm-hmm. ends up becoming kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy, the fact if you're afraid it's going to happen, it ends up happening. You actually right. end up failing right. because of your fear of failure. Like, how do you deal with failure? You said you've done it many times. I guess I just have a really positive attitude about it. I just feel like it's, I don't, I don't feel like it's failure. I feel like it's a bump in the road. So, I mean, probably the biggest failure I ever had, a a marriage. When a marriage fails, there's nothing harder on a mom, harder on a wife, harder on a, you know, you feel like, what could I have done differently? I got married so young. Um, You know, I, I would say that you know, was my biggest failure, getting past that and then all the opportunity that came about. I just feel like something huh. positive always comes from something negative. Huh. So that was the worst thing that could ever happen to me in my life. Yeah. Okay, well, then now I have this step and this step yeah. and this step. And if something so crappy could end up yes. actually being a blessing actually, or actually turn out for the better. And like, it was. Then that's going to happen again with yes. this failure and with that yes. failure and with that failure. Yes, yes, and it took me 10 years to ever get married again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that was another point. Yeah. But I I don't I looked at it not as a failure mm-hmm. but as you know a a change, a mm-hmm. life change, a circumstance that made that I had to find a positive in. Yeah. First of all, you have to find a positive because you have two children that are staring at you, looking at how you handle it. So some of it is like you don't have the choice to just sit you don't down have and the like, choice. Yeah. No, and I've never had the choice to if it if I fail, yeah, I have to find another route. Yeah. I have to go another way. You've never been afraid of risk either. I'm guessing. No, no. Does that go I'm back? Pretty, does that go back early in life? Like, can you look at like you were always kind of a risk taker? Yes, I was. Well, just I mean, yes, always a risk taker, um, and not a risk that was like a dangerous risk, sure. but a risk of you know what's the worst thing could happen uh, if I put this money into this and this doesn't work out then I'll have to make enough money to make up for that because I have other things that I, other goals. I've always been so goal-oriented. I guess that failure just led me to another opportunity. Yeah. And that's how I've always looked at it. Yeah. It's a bump in the road, and it it's a shift. It's a shift. It goes, okay, so that didn't work. What what did I learn from this that I can go to the next level? What yeah. what's the What's the next level? So you have a lot of confidence, too, that I can learn from this. I can learn from this. I can grow from this. I have always, and that is definitely from my mom and dad. They've always built confidence that you can do anything you put yeah. your mind to do. And there's some truth to that. I mean, obviously, like that has limitations. Like, I mean, I'm never going to be a LeBron James. Like, there, are, like, right, there are some right. limitations, but there are like realistically, like, it's incredible what people are capable of if they truly yes. will like put in the work, the effort, the effort. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's an incredible gift from your parents to be able to instill that in you. And I remember we've had, um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, Chris Brengard on here. Who was it recently? Uh, Josh Brown came on here. And one of the things I've learned from these guys who are very successful is 
you know, a lot of times you go into these rooms and you're around other successful people just because of your job. Yes. And you get in these rooms, and the first time you get into these rooms, you think, I'm going to be so, like, out of my element. These people are going to be so head and shoulders, like, way above me and intellect and <clears throat> and gifting and all that. And then you get in a room with them, and you're like, they're just like me. Like, they're really not. Right. Like, it's not like they're really, like, all the, you know, I think sometimes we look at successful people, and we say, oh, they're just different. Like, I could never be that. Like, they're just made different. And right. then you realize a lot of times, no, they're just pretty well, normal people. And I don't I think if you're not surrounding yourself with people with other gifts different than your own that you can learn from or other people that are successful that are um doing things that not just the things you want to do but doing things that you never dreamed of doing mm-hmm. and it might intrigue you. Mm-hmm. If you're not surrounding yourself with those people, then then you're missing out. You're missing yes. out on all their stories, and yes. everybody has a story. So yes. it's so exciting to hear those stories and to hear why, what their why is. You know, what what is their why and what pushed them to do that or what pushed them to be the person they are. Yeah. Um, I just, I think that's, Jesse Itzler always um, intrigued me, and he, he, you know, had that Marine come live with him. I can't think of the guy's yeah, name yeah. right now. Dave. Dave Groggins. Yes, Groggins, yeah. thank you. He had him come live with him. You know, and then he's married to Sarah Blakely, so she's the Spanx lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I got to meet him in person and just oh, talk wow. to him. Oh my gosh, it is intense, intense, so <clears throat> intense, yeah. and I loved it. Yeah, I just it was so cool. I to, listen to his podcast whenever I have to go for a run, or yeah. you know, because I'm like, I don't know if yeah, that guy's insane. Talk about a motivator. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, what is your why? Like, I'm curious because you, you've talked about that several times. Like, what would you say your why is? Like, what motivates you at this point? Like, why do you keep getting up and kind of like doing what you do? Well, I've kind of shifted in my why. And that, that again, I think comes with turning 50, kind of changing my mindset. I have four grandkids now. Wow. So that's just amazing. Four little boy. Uh, all we can get's boys, what I said. <laughs> um, grandkids. And so I've kind of change my mindset about what my why is. I, I Now I'm wanting to kind of set back a little bit, um, let Whitney kind of push mm-hmm. her into the reins of um, the broker side of it. She does a great job. Um, the agents, you know, get along great with her. And I'd like to, you know, be more of the coach and the helper. Mm-hmm. and the So that's kind of the mindset mm-hmm. I'm shifting to and to be able to do more um, – I mean, not on a teaching side of it, but mm-hmm. like a workshop side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, go with agents. Be a little more available. I haven't been able to be as available uh, because I've just been just grinding, sure. yes. you know. And you I'm, get to be a little more in that coach row. Yeah, I'm out. trying to pull yeah. that back a little bit and change my mindset about that. And I, I'm so gung ho all the time sure. that I, I've had to really stop that control and yeah. pull back and say, you know what. I, I can do this. I can relax a little bit and spend time with my grandkids and mm-hmm. not everything. I have a huge sense of urgency. Jim Quarter, mm-hmm. when he did our um, personality profile, I was about to ask he you said, this. yeah, he said, Brooksy, you have the sense mm-hmm. of urgency that everything yeah. has to be done right now. And all the yeah. agents and everybody I work with are like, I always have to say, now, I didn't mean mm-hmm. those five things have to be done right now. Yes. Because if I don't say that, yeah. I, 
I have to get the yep. five things yep. out. I have to say yes. them. Yeah, you're a verbal processor. Them. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. a verbal processor, yep. which freaks people out sometimes. Because yeah. they think you're that. you're thinking out loud, and they think that you're saying you got to do this right now. Yes. It's like I'm just talking out loud. I'm talking, and that's what I say yeah. all the time. I'm just talking out loud. Yeah. This is me trying to remind. <laughs> myself. They're, they're freaking out. <laughs> yes. What personality test was that? Do you remember? Um. It, well, it was just the red, yellow. You know, the disc profile. Oh, disc. disc okay, you're high D. Yeah. Oh, high D and then high yellow. But I didn't used to be. I was high yellow. And then D, so I have changed. Yeah. But that man, that's that management change. Have you heard of Culture Index? I don't think so. No. I'm going to text it to you. I really want you to take it. And so, Al, Allen Engineering now. So I, I work for Allen Engineering for about four mm-hmm. or five hours a week, and they sent me to a training in Nashville to get <clears throat> training the same. But that's what they do all their hiring off of. So they won't even hire you now if you don't take Culture Index. Um, and then they'll place you based off that. It's like Hilton Hotels does it. I mean, it's like they have a national advisor, Matt White, um, who I get to work with as well, like that teaches me how to use this stuff, but it's fascinating. Um, a lot of companies are now using it okay. to hire. Like it's like, I think it's like one of the only person I tested that you can legally use to like hire off of. Okay. And so I want to send it, take you like 10 minutes, but I'm really curious uh, what yours. I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, in my mind, I think I already know what you are, but I'd love for you to. Yeah, I want to do, do it. it at some point. Well, tell me this and we'll move into rapid fire questions. Um, for someone maybe who's listening to this, I always try to think about someone who's going to tune in to an episode with, you know, whoever the guest is on here. And so I'm thinking about people who would click on your episode and, and I would assume obviously your family and friends, maybe others who work with you, but maybe those who are just interested in whether it's real estate or, uh, you know, business, uh, leadership management, like what, is there anything that you would say to that person who maybe they've not, um, fully they've not gone all in yet they, they have a desire to lead they have a desire to manage they have a desire to do maybe real estate or to own a business something like that like anything that you would say to them uh now as you're kind of looking back even on some of your past experience that could be an encouragement to them or just a, a good tip well absolutely absolutely the confidence thing and and not being afraid of failure is yeah. is a huge factor um I have a friend, I, I do a lot of social media, of course, and I like positivity, and I get a lot of messenger messages about my positivity and things like that, and mm-hmm. I say, guys, I'm doing that because I need that positivity yeah. just as much yes. as you do. Yes. This is not me, like, I'm poly positive every single day. Yep. Oh, my That's gosh, good. I need this every single day. So I remind them that, you know, uh, these things that I'm sharing, I'm sharing them because I have to read them every day. Yep. So, you know, when I get up early and I have my coffee and I'm having my time and 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 I do look at things like that, I love, um, you know, the different things that – help us to push us outside of our comfort zone. Anytime that you can get out of your comfort zone, yes. meet people that you've yep. never met before. You know, it's just like they say, you know, treat the janitor as well as you do the CEO. Mm-hmm. That That's what it is. You will learn something from everybody. A hundred percent. No matter what yes. their rank in life is. It's so unimportant. Yes. That's so unimportant. So I think that is the biggest thing. I just want people to, to, Look at them. Look inside themselves and be able to push themselves to do something yeah. that. And I say that to to all the people in our office. We talk about it all the time. One of the reasons why image is everything is our logo is because we want the person that may have a twenty thousand dollar house to feel just as important as the house that's two hundred thousand or whatever mm-hmm. price. Mm-hmm. You know, we want them to feel just as important. They deserve. You know the fancy photos and they deserve the same thing that someone else because that $20,000 house 
may be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a mansion to them. It is mm-hmm. a big deal to them. So anybody that comes in my office, that's what we talk about, is, is we're here to help people, and we sure don't want to hurt them. We don't want to get anyone, you know, we, we try to make sure they understand, you know, don't get into something that you're going to get in over your head. We don't want you to make that phone call to say, hey, we have to sell our house. We don't want anyone to be in that situation. So our whole goal is to help people. Um, and I want to be able to help people to push themselves to get outside of their comfort zone. And I do that a lot on Messenger and different people will call. And I have different brokerages. I, I have some great relationships with other brokerages that the broker may call and say, can you, you know, I know we're competition on every day, but we're, we're also, you know, we have to promote and protect the public. That's mm-hmm. our job is not to go out there and hurt mm-hmm. the public. Mm-hmm. And real estate gets a bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. One bad apple spoils the bunch. Sure. So I think it's so important that if I can help another broker or they can help me, I want to be able to call on somebody if I feel like I, I'm questioning something. Yeah. And if you don't have a direct line to someone, I think networking is such a big deal. Um, yes. and oh, anybody. it's huge. It's huge. It's, it's relationships huge. are everything. Yes, they if, are. If people get mad whenever, you know, like usually because they're on the other end of it when they're like, well, it's all about who you know. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And that's not it a is. bad thing. So yeah. like get to know people. And it doesn't and mean the person at the top. That doesn't always right. mean the person at the top. 100%. Yeah, that could mean the person who is working under the person at the top, the gatekeepers. Yeah. When I was in pharmaceutical yeah. sales, you didn't get in because the doctor liked you. Yes. You got in because the receptionist That's liked exactly you. That's exactly right. And if you weren't nice to her, good yeah. luck, buddy. Which goes back <laughs> to that whole idea of treating the janitor the way you do yes. the CEO type deal. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I'm amazed by, um, you know, this next generation thing. I'm trying to really encourage my kids is because, you know, it's, it's cell phones and it's a yes. screen right in front of Technology. you and all of that. And it's like, man, like your life, the quality of your life is only going to be as good as the quality of your relationships. Like you've got to learn how to do relationships. It's scary. It's really, it's scary. really scary. It is. And so, well, I think <clears throat> there's so much I'm going to take away from this conversation. And I think one of the biggest ones for me is just uh, courage. And because I love what you said about your optimism that, hey, like, I don't always feel optimistic and I don't always have great days, but it's no. like being able to push through that and say, like, OK, like, I'm going to choose not to give in to that. But, you know, I've heard someone say before, listen to what a preacher talks about. And that's what they usually struggle with the most. Yes. <clears throat> and it sounds kind of like what you even said. It's like, hey, like, I can either give into that or I can use this. It's like, no, I'm going to help teach others. But at the same time, I'm kind of preaching the message back to myself yeah. to remember. And so, um, so good. There's so much more we could talk about. But I'm going to move into rapid fire questions. So are you ready for these? I am. All right. Number one, what is it the last show or movie you watched? Or what is the last book that you read? Uh, the last book I read was Slammed by Colleen Hoover. I just read it. I finished yesterday. And it's Never just a... Um, it's an interesting story about uh, teenagers that lose their parents and have to raise their little brothers. Hmm. Very so, interesting yeah, story. Yeah, inspiring story. Yeah, it is, and how they get through it. Um, what is your favorite, or who is your favorite band? Oh, gosh, I don't know that I have a favorite band. I'm really, I love Ashley McBride. I like country, but I also like, um, I mean, I'm also an 80s girl, and Give me your favorite 80s band. Well, I listened to a lot of um, Salt and Pepper when we oh, was little. That was look 90s. Out. That's actually I was 90s. Say. Um, that's actually 90s. So. Uh, early 90s is great. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Newton John. Beth and I used to sing that in the I've backyard. I've never. Who? 
Olivia Newton-John. You better not you don't say know who, who that is. I don't know who that is. And I'll consider myself Greece. to be an 80s fan. John Travolta oh, and Olivia Newton-John. Never, never, Jared. Never seen it. Shame. Wow. Shame. I know, and I just had this conversation last week with somebody who shamed me over oh. not watching Grease. Hmm. They were like, what is your problem? And I'm yeah. like, I don't have, I don't think I have a problem. I don't even know if I can, I That's can't what even look at you the same. Okay, <laughs> I will watch Grease. Olivia oh. Newton-John was a singer <laughs> I as no well. She, oh my Is that gosh, worse than not knowing away. who Morgan Wallen is? Is that, yeah. is that right? Okay, Definitely. that's worse. Oh, I think it is worse. Because, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that she's been around for decades. Yeah. Haley Deck uh, let me have it over not knowing oh, who Morgan that, Wallen was. See, I love Haley, and that just makes me love her more. That yeah, because she, she now is like, who's Morgan Wallen? And she's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I've got to I've got to keep my mouth shut and just you know I thought whenever I said I don't know who that is you'd be like oh it's just kind of an obscure yeah. underground she's just uh, a four time Grammy award winner <clears throat> all right well okay yeah. now I'll, you know I'll take it okay and I'm I mean you need to watch that I will I'll, I'll check it out all right Greece um, what would be your last meal you don't have to worry about calories sugar any of that your last meal is going to be what meal. Probably buffalo wings. That was wow. Rick. Rick would say that to me. That From I would where? probably eat chicken wings. I don't. Does it matter? I don't really think it matters. Okay. I just I, my mom's kind of addicted to them too. I was laughing. She's been sick, and that's all she could think about today buffalo when I was wings. over there. Yeah. Uh, wings. Fries. What are you putting with it? Uh, I'm just fries the wings. Are good, but I, just the not wings. My, yeah, just. What about your? Wings. What are you going to drink with it? Diet Coke. Diet oh, Coke, and then dessert. Terrible. Uh, chocolate lava cake. Ooh, that's yeah. gonna be good. You should do that for your birthday, next birthday. I did this for my 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 wife. This and I've and now I gotta figure out how to one up it. But this year I asked her that question: What would be your last meal? Yeah. But it was crazy. And anyways, I ended up trying to pull it off on her birthday, and uh, I'm now secretly hoping that she'll do the same for my <laughs> birthday. But she's not asked me yet. But wouldn't your last meal include gluten, and you can't eat gluten? That oh. is true. That yeah, is true. You would probably. Yeah, it would. That's a good point. So I guess that could make. Thanks it your for last making meal. me. Yeah, I was actually excited. <laughs> now. Yeah, now you. <laughs> yeah, I've never watched Grease. I can't eat gluten. Bring what it down to problem? reality. Yes. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? Okay, uh, phone chargers, of course. Headphone, all the I, I just a lamp, and I, yeah, I don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, I have a little jewelry dish. Take my jewelry off at night. Okay. My wedding ring. Put yeah. it there. My lamp and my Great. the chargers, yeah. These I, I, technology is driven. I don't right uh, see you as the kind of person who has a lot of clutter. I'm not a no. I'm a minimalist when it comes. I mean, I see you how many times that, have yeah. I moved? So you need you want to have some order. <laughs> yeah. You want things in their place. I do. I do. I can greatly appreciate that. Yeah, and messy nightstands freak me out a little bit. There shouldn't be. A I've thing. had to clean a lot of them up for people taking photos of their houses, mm. and they have a lot of stuff on their nightstand, can't and I it. have to kind of hide it and tuck it, and <clears throat> can't do yeah. that. Do you know how many houses you've lived in? Um, lived in. That's a good probably, question. So owned about a hundred and nine. We t- we talked about this not too long ago. Actually, when the seven thirty West Court came up, um, we had. We had talked about that um, before you guys looked at it. So, because uh, they were, I walked in and and when I had it listed, Dodie was like, "You lived here, right, with your kids?" And I'm like, "Yes." And I've actually bought back houses I've lived in. It's it's just weird. So, I mean, literally about 109 owned wow. uh, with my name on it somehow. It, and even mom, we those aren't you lived in those. You just owned did them. not live okay. in all of those. So I think we got to about 77 that we had lived in. Wow. In Jeez. Paragold or Jonesboro, like <clears throat> Sage Meadows, Paragold, um, 
I think it was about that has 77. to be a record. Do you know anybody yeah. else who's lived in more Since homes? It's 1990. So are you packing 20. or unpacking right now? I, yeah. I have unpacked. <laughs> so getting ready to pack back uh, up. I lived in a house for three months, sold that to the Thorntons, and then moved down the street to one that Keith White I had listed, and we customized it. And so I have. Is that always in an investment three. deal? Is that like yes. make, okay? So it's never just like I'm just bored. I with never this. think of a house as a as and people say this to me all the time like why don't you think of it as a like you do you not want a forever home? And I'm like no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think. We all change and evolve in our yeah. lives, and I just, I don't, I don't think of That's anything awesome. as, as a forever home. I think of yeah. it; it's an investment, and I'm going to live here till I want to live somewhere else. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, um, you and my mom would get along. Really well. <laughs> I thought we moved a lot. I lived in, I can't remember. We counted it up. Was it 13, 14? Yeah, it was teens. Different homes yeah. growing yeah. up, and so, and the same mindset as my mom. So. Yeah, I'd finally get comfortable with a house and be like, I really <laughs> like that we have this. And it's like, yeah. well, we're moving. Yeah, like, and it was all right here in Paragould. Yeah, it wasn't yep. like job moved. This is right. Just, yeah. We have right. no intention of doing that a lot, but uh, a few months ago, Jack, uh, our oldest son, uh-huh. looks at us and goes, "I think it's time to move. We haven't moved in a while." Oh, <laughs> like, buddy, you're like, buddy, well, we got the we don't do back. that that much. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> yeah. make you sound like you're doing it every month. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Just an ordinary moment. Well, an ordinary moment with real estate, some of the greatest gifts we get in real estate are holding somebody's hand when they're going through a really hard time. Mm. And it it makes me think about a lady that had nobody. She had her grandkids, didn't live here. Her name was Judy, and... uh, she really didn't have a lot of family around. I had to put her in a nursing home. It was mm. one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I'm not even her family. And people are like, mm. now, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Brooksy. I'm her real estate agent, mm. her AKA adopted granddaughter. That's mm. what, you know, and I said, I'm her adopted granddaughter. And um, it was, it was really hard. It was really hard watching her go through that with not anybody by her side. I don't wish that on anybody, but I held her hand mm-hmm. while she auctioned off all her property. She sat in a recliner and watched it. Mm-hmm. That was hard. Held her hand while she cried that, moved her to an apartment, all one level where she could, you know, get around on a walker. Mm-hmm. She became kyphotic and her bones were real brittle, broke her bones, and then had to go into um, Green Acres. And once she went in there, she thought she would be there 100 days. You know, that's all they'll pay for. And then she would get out, and she never got out. And she told me, she said this, and I'll never forget it. Brixie, my body may not work, but my mind does. And the lady laying here beside me has no clue where she's at, but she can walk around this place and talk to everybody and do all these things. And I lay here, and I know that I don't have anybody coming to see me, you know, and you know, this was when I would come eat breakfast with her. She'd tell me these things. And she said, I would give anything to not know. Mm. And my body be like this lady next to me. Mm. And it just talk about a wake-up call and, and a reminder of every single day mm-hmm. getting up and going and doing and, and being able to do these things. Yes. And having an incredible yes. support system of family and friends and network and yeah. all these things. And she had no one. Yeah. Her husband never taught her to drive. He had had a stroke. And 
ended up taking his own life. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, And none crazy. of us are guaranteed that that won't be us. No. You know, and I think so the most unhappy people in the world. Day. Well, it is but what it, you're saying. But is, what I'm saying yeah. is there's a ton of people that that right there is happening to yeah. every single day. For sure. And so that being able to see that and help someone outside of my job, mm-hmm. but my job brought me to that, that's what makes me passionate about real estate. It's great. So Beautiful. that's that's what an ordinary day. If yeah. if there's somebody that that that's that's how you leave a legacy. That's how you help somebody that has no other opportunities. Yeah. And so that's what I want others to be able to do. I think it's awesome, and I think you know, and I believe you when you say that. I think it's important for other people to hear because you know Bill Fisher and I we've talked about him just a minute. He's a good friend, and you know every now and then I'll go over his house and we'll eat yeah. you know breakfast. He'll he'll actually still cook me breakfast and. We'll go over there, and and the last time I was there, he said, you know, and he's been very successful. Yeah, uh, I mean, from a, from from a, just a financial standpoint, and and he said to me, Jared, like I look back at it, and he's like, I'm telling you right now, like the things that meant the most to me then, I mean, the most to me now are the times I was able to help somebody else get to where they wanted to go. Yes, and he was like, because he's you know, and and we need to hear that. And I told him this. I was like, he won't ever come to the podcast because he's just yeah. like he just won't do it. But I I, I said, Bill, like people need to hear this because there are so many that are giving their lives to, uh, you know, accumulating all this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, whatever, you want to get stuff, like nothing wrong with being successful. I want to be successful. But people need to know, like, if that's it, mm-hmm. like if that's all it is, like if it's just getting more stuff, you're going to be empty. But yep. like there's got to be a greater why than just like, I'm just doing it for the money. The yeah. end, nothing else matters. Yeah. I'm just saying it's like, and so I need to hear that. And people need to hear that often of like from people who actually are successful. Because I think whenever you hear that from someone who's never had any money, you're like, you just don't know any better. But right. when you talk to someone who's been successful, because he'll say like, hey, I've done great in my career, but that's not it. Like this is even greater than that. We need to pay attention to it and live in that way. And so um, thank you for sharing that. Last question I have for you is what's one thing that you're uh, deeply grateful for right now? Oh, my parents. Watching my mom get sick this last few weeks, mm. it just reminds me how short life is. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships. It's what it always is, isn't it, Chris? Yep. It's one of those lines. Absolutely. I, I've shared this story before on the podcast, but, you know, I've got a, a buddy of mine who is a director uh, in, uh, of a hospice um, in Kentucky. And uh, he told me one time, I said, what's the number one thing you've learned from working with dying people like every day? And he said, I'll never forget it. He's like, the stuff that we roll our eyes at, like having to push our kid in the swing again. And we're like, oh, I don't want to push you again. He's like, that's the stuff people want to be able to go back and live. Absolutely. And he's like, it's never, the, the regrets are never anything other than that right there of like, I wish I could talk to mom again. Yep. Or I wish I could talk with my child again or whatever else. And so uh, another great reminder. So. Brooksy, thanks so much for coming on. It's good oh, being able to spend you. time with you. Hopefully we can do it again, but uh, really enjoyed it. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank you. All right. And Brooksy has left the building. Yes, she has. Someone who is more driven than me, <laughs> which is not always 
Yeah. <laughs> Easy to find. I wanted to butt in was like, oh, talking out, thinking out loud. I've never heard of it. <laughs> yes. That was a part that I felt like we could have had like a little bit of a, um, a grief share moment. Like, uh-huh. you know, I had like a support system where we could have been like, let's talk about all of the times that we have possibly got ourselves into <laughs> a not so good situation because we're thinking out loud yeah. and the people take it as like, oh, that's for sure. Like it's yeah. going to happen. And so, uh, man, Brooksy, thanks so much for coming on. Really enjoyed uh, spending that time with you. And for those of you who are still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, if you've not already done so, please get on a different social media platform. Check us out there. We are on Facebook primarily and Instagram. Give us a follow, uh, a like. And if you've not done this, please just take a moment and whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it be Spotify or Apple, uh, give us a five-star rating. And what that does is just help people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people that are living right here in Paragold. So as always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.